Blog Talk Radio. I make mistakes every day of my life. I make mistakes way too many to count. But every mistake that I made in my life, it made me better because I made it count. Not taking L's, but I'm taking lessons. Gaining knowledge, coming back for seconds. Apply the wisdom, now I'm saving seconds. You know I'm saving time because I got the message. I went from cartwheels to doing backflips. But on the way there, there was some cracked ribs. You know it's all part of the practice. There's no shortcuts, can't hack this. Forward progress is my concentration. My past brighter than the constellation. Haters see my path and they conversating. But when I level up in the conversation, in the conversation, in the conversation, hate to see my past in the conversation, but when I level up in the conversation, no regrets, I just reset, no regrets, just reset, no regrets, I just reset, no regrets, just reset, no regrets, I just reset, no regrets, just reset, no regrets, I just reset, no regrets, just reset. Broke up with regret, she tried to rob me. We stopped speaking when she tried to stop me. Future in the past, you want a carbon copy, but I'm present in the present, knowing that's just not me. You cannot hold me. You can't control me. You think that you know me. You're confused with the old me. So let me, let me, let me, let me set the record straight. I ain't never, never, never been intimidated. Addressing my past, remember that's not where I'm at, so I return to cinder. Feeling so brave, feeling no fear, feeling so great, vision so clear. All my losses, I proudly own to reset the losses and accept the stones. So let me, let me, let me, let me set the record straight. I ain't never, never, never been intimidated. Addressing my past, remember that's not where I'm at, so I return to cinder. On a new wave, it's a new year, God is so great, God is right here. All my losses, I proudly own to reset the losses and accept the stones, yeah. All my losses, I proudly own to reset the losses and the stepping stones. No regrets, I just reset. No regrets, just reset. No regrets, I just reset. No regrets, just reset. No regrets, I just reset. No regrets, just reset. No regrets, I just reset. No regrets, just reset. No regrets. The Miami Hurricanes have reset. Forward progress is their concentration. Their past brighter than a constellation. At least that is certainly the vibe as spring practice came to a close on Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium. The bulk of the Canes nation had a watch on television due to COVID protocols as the offense led by young quarterbacks Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia put on a show. Some saw it. 
as a sign of great progress and the emergence of the quarterback room that these two youngsters forming a foundation of a very bright future for the Miami offense. Others took note of a potential weakness on defense. Maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. What does the immediate future look like for the Canes with a season opening day with Alabama inching closer on the calendar? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight as we begin a new edition of Cane Sport Live and wrap up spring practice. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. We have over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. Uh, those who have been with us before through the years, you know the drill. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. That puts you in the queue, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again ask subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Uh, a few good ones, and we will address them um, as we move forward here uh, this evening. But before we get to your calls, I wanted to set the table a little bit um, and review uh, in kind of rapid-fire fashion just where I felt things stood with the team as it exited spring practice. I mentioned the quarterbacks, so we might as well start with them. I think the general consensus is that Miami is heading in the right direction at the position with the Eric King's rehab going really well and with him on course to escalate his workouts sooner rather than later here. And then with Van Dyke and Garcia performing well in all three spring scrimmages. The surprise really was Garcia, who was cleared for full speed work a day before the first scrimmage and went out and really stood out with his arm and accuracy. Van Dyke was not quite as good throwing down the football field, but he was relatively accurate as well, and his experience showed. Garcia tends to take a few more chances, thus makes a few more mistakes. He was 50 of 70 for 589 yards in the three scrimmages. Um, Van Dyke was 34 of 51 for 390. Um, but he did have five touchdowns. Garcia had four touchdowns. Um, so the stats weren't that different. But what you're seeing is the yardage totals for Garcia are a little bit higher um, than they were for Van Dyke. And that's because that he tends to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. But all of that is pretty good for a pair of freshman quarterbacks who are just learning what college football is all about. Um, You've seen the euphoria amongst the fan base. People are really excited about the way these two guys performed. Uh, you know, some are even suggesting that maybe uh, Manny Diaz should make Garcia or Van Dyke his starting quarterback this year and cast De'Ara King to the side. Um, I don't see that happening. Uh, De'Ara King is a much more experienced seasoned college quarterback, number one. And number two, you cannot minimize cannot minimize for one second what that kid did for this program last year coming off that six and seven nightmare of Manny Diaz year one where the Canes lost to FIU and Louisiana Tech and Duke to end the season and De'Ara King came put respectability back into the program 
and they won eight games last year. And no, it, it didn't go perfect. And yeah, they lost. The, you know, they, they they didn't compete very well against Clemson and North Carolina. So yeah, no, it was not perfect. Um, but uh, like I said, you cannot minimize in any way, shape, or form what De'Ara King did for this program. And I don't see any way that these coaches are going to uh, put him aside for one of the true freshmen unless he just physically is not right. And all signs are that his rehab from the ACL is coming along pretty good. All right, um, at running back, I think the fact that Don Chaney needs shoulder shoulder surgery, I mean, that's a clear setback, no doubt about it. I mean, Chaney was probably tracking toward claiming the starting job. I mean, you didn't hear any coaches say that. Uh, It's a true competition. Um, But, you know, I really believe that Chaney – um, has a slight edge over Jalen Knight in there in, in that regard. And, and I think Chaney might have emerged as, as the starter by Alabama. Now I don't think so. Uh, he's, they're hoping he gets back for fall practice in August. Um, but I think all those months of lost work, it's going to take him time to get into game shape. Uh, I don't see Chaney coming off the, the injured list with shoulder surgery and being a feature uh, back to start the year. Um, that would be uh, pretty pretty shocking if that happens. Um, Jalen Knighton had a rock-solid spring. He had 43 yards in the spring game, 66 yards in scrimmage number two. Um, I think it was pretty obvious in the spring game that the coaches were focused on limiting reps for the backs to try to avoid further injuries. Uh, the running game really was not featured at all. Um, so I think the, the, the questions here heading into the summer will be how quickly can Chaney get back? And also, what kind of role can Cam Harris carve out for himself? That's a big question, okay? He had a highlight TD in the second scrimmage where he leaped over Gervin Hall into the end zone. Everybody loved it on YouTube and all that. But uh, he only had 13 yards in limited reps on Saturday at Hard Rock in the spring game. Um, so Lashley has said he wants a feature back who can potentially carry the ball 20 times. I'm not sure that this appears to be trending in that direction. Let's be honest. Uh, You know, you could force it. I'm not sure Knighton is built to do that. I'm not sure, like I said, the Cheney is going to be ready to do that. And if Cam Harris is number three, which it looks like he might be, then why would you elevate him to number one and say, you go take it 20 times a game. So, I love Lashley's intentions in this regard. I think they were sincere. I think they were well-founded. I thought last year that the running backs never seemed to be in a rhythm. I thought it hurt the running game at times. Um, Love the idea of a a guy knowing he's the dude and going out there and building and building and building as the game goes on and getting into that rhythm. But the way this is playing out right now, I'm not sure that we're not going to see something very similar to what we saw last year uh, when they, they shared the rock and unfortunately, nobody really, really, really got off after game two. There was not a 100-yard rusher after the second week of the season. So uh, we'll see what goes on there. Uh, another position with a limited spring sample size was tight end. Uh, Will Mallory was held out, recovering from shoulder surgery. Don Mamorelli was also held out due to shoulder surgery. And then newcomer Elijah Arroyo, he showed up with an old high school injury and also had surgery. So... Um, all three of them should be back for the fall, but um, the young guys in particular lost out on critical development this spring. 
Um, and then to complicate matters more, like they really needed this at this position, Larry Hodges was suspended for a violation of team rules after an arrest incident that involved gun possession and marijuana. His, um, his future is uncertain at the moment, but it was learned in the last 24 hours that prosecutors have opted not to file charges. So that's a good development for Larry Hodges. Uh, in Dade County, they're shying away from small marijuana uh, cases for obvious reasons. And um, that's going to benefit Larry Hodges here. And the firearms apparently belong to a friend or something, and they've worked through that. So um, I think Larry Hodges will come out of this okay, uh, but it was a distraction for him and the team that nobody needed. And uh, we'll see what happens with him moving forward. The receiver position saw the emergence of Charleston Rambo as a clear go-to option. Uh, we knew long before Saturday that Rambo, Rambo he, he wasn't brought here to be a spectator. Uh, but his six catches for 56 yards in the spring game after 107 yards receiving in scrimmage number two supported that notion. Um, and he clearly is going to be a starter alongside Mike Harley. Um, Xavier Restrepo is the guy who made the biggest move this spring at receiver, showing up as a consistent standout at practices and scrimmages. And he clearly earned the role for this season. Um, coaches are also not giving up. Um, Mark Pope and D. Wiggins both had every opportunity all spring, uh, I would say with mixed results, to gain the confidence of the coaches. And uh, we saw both Pope and Wiggins um, make, make a play in the spring game and also drop a football. So same inconsistent Pope and Wiggins, and we'll see what the future holds for them. Guy they better watch out for is Keyshawn Smith. He looks like he's right on the cusp of breaking through and emerging, like so many of us have been expecting. Uh, maybe that happens over the summer. Maybe that happens in fall camp. The offensive line was one of the more interesting positions to watch this spring, with starting competition at left guard and right tackle. Uh, Jalen Rivers challenging Ja'Kai Clark at left guard, and DJ Scaife um, looking likely to unseat Jared Williams as a starter at right tackle. Um, in another area of note, I would say Davon Donaldson seemed really focused and motivated for his fifth year, but I think it would be a good thing for him if he could lose another 25 pounds this summer, and I'm sure that that will be a focus here in the next few months. The Lions seemed to do a decent job all spring protecting the quarterbacks. Uh, I think there were two sacks all spring, but you still have got to be a bit concerned about depth once you get past those top seven guys. Defensive side of the ball, a little tougher to analyze. Um, line coach Jess Simpson has openly acknowledged that he does not have a dominant player up front, and he doesn't. Let's be honest. None of us like it. He does not have a dominant player up front. Nesta Silvera has not been that guy. Um, you know, Hunde has not been that guy. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, DeAndre Johnson looked pretty good to me as a defensive end, the Tennessee transfer. Um, but a dominant player, I don't know. You know, he wasn't a dominant player at Tennessee. He's a good player. He'll be a good player here. He clearly is the best defensive end on the roster, the best we saw on the field on Saturday. But I don't know that I would call him a dominant player up front. So um, defensive line will be a question mark going into the season. Um, the word out of practice was that a pass rush was almost non-existent all spring. 
it would be unrealistic to expect anything close to what Jalen Phillips and even Quincy Roche brought to the defense last season. But somehow, someway, when you look at Chance Williams, Cam Williams, and Jafari Harvey, as well as converted linebacker Zach McLeod, one or two guys in that group must elevate, elevate their game by September for this football team to have a safe shot of accomplishing any goals whatsoever. Um, I look at them right now, this looks like maybe like a nine-win team to me, but they're going to need somebody on defense to come through. I mean, you're not winning scoring contests every single week. Um, They had a few of them last year. They, you know, our, the NC State game comes to mind uh, where they were able to win close games. But, you, you know, we've learned how that goes through the years, man. When you're getting in all those close ACC games every week, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Um, 2017, got all the breaks. 2018, 2019, not so many. 2020, got the breaks again. Um, we'll see what 2021 holds. But, uh, you know, I think – you know, some of these guys on defense are going to have to emerge a little bit in the fall. Um, the defense cannot be as challenged as it looked in the spring. And I know they were missing some guys, but the offense was missing guys too. The offense is missing its starting quarterback, King, um, missing its best running back, Cheney, missing its starting tight end in Will Mallory. Okay. Those are three key components of the offense. So tonight, let's put an end to anything like that right now. Uh, let's not try to make excuses for the defense and say, oh, you know, Al Blades was sitting out, the Corey Couch was sitting out. The offense was missing a few of its best guys, okay? And uh, they're, they're the best players on the roster, okay? So everybody w- was, was handicapped a little bit. Uh, the offense dominated the defense, and the offense got a lot more done, and the offense showed that it's further along than the defense. And I don't think we need to make excuses for that. All right. Another issue is the linebacker position. Um, Manny doesn't have, an, he doesn't have an established playmaker to count on. Only has himself to blame. I mean, he's, he's been in charge of recruiting at that position for, what, six years now? I mean, they're, they're trying to develop Corey Flagg and Avery Huff and Sam Brooks. Sam Brooks was out this spring. Um, I think either – of those guys shooting past B.J. Jennings on the depth chart would be significant progress um, if it could happen by fall camp. Uh, but unquestionably, linebacker is, is a concern. Um, with Blades and Couch missing the entire spring due to injury, D.J. Ivey, we've given a lot of reps to work on his game at corner. Um, the results were not bad, but Ivey definitely must take his share of the blame for the quarterbacks completing almost 70 percent of their passes this spring 70 percent you know that's what i'm talking about like you know i you know everybody that, that that's playing in the secondary is you know other than the walk-ons is on scholarship i mean you can't like you know you're supposed to be at the university of Miami because you're a good player you you, you can't give up 70 percent completion rates to quarterbacks okay they consistently put up 70 percent the whole spring uh the best corner on the team is clearly georgia transfer tyreek stevenson uh, he hopes to be the glue at the position for the Hurricanes. Um, if he plays as well as expected, that should relieve some of the pressure on Ivy, Couch, and Blades. And then among the young guys, uh, one guy that flashed a little bit to me was Isaiah Dunson. Um, 
had a couple tough moments as well, but he he did it. You you noticed them out there at times, and to me that's a positive for a young kid. And Dunson is clearly somebody that could factor in to some playing time this fall. We'll see how that continues to to develop. And then at safety, as everybody knows, it's ridiculously crowded there. Um, you know, the veteran guys to me are going to need to show up better in September than they were last season. Um, that's Bubba Bolden, Gervin Hall, and Amari Carter. They were all inconsistent last year. Um, Carter seemed to have a decent spring, but he's been getting a look at striker uh, to compete with Gil Frierson, um, possibly because Avante Williams flashed a ton of potential all spring. James Williams is coming in in the fall, and Manny Diaz and Coach T-Rob are going to have some decisions to make. I mean, these young kids are coming fast. I thought um, Camp Kinchins flashed on Saturday, looked very good. I thought Keyshawn Washington flashed. He looked, you know, very, very good. I thought Avante, I mentioned, looked good. So, you know, right now you would say those kids are probably targeted for special teams roles. But if they keep playing at the level they played Saturday and they keep coming and they know what they're doing, and those veteran guys show up average again, like they were for most of last year, those coaches are going to have some tough decisions to make. Uh, so I'd watch out for that as the season approaches as well. All right, so that covers it. The, uh, the, the specialists, Head, Headley and Borgalis, rock solid, probably as good as it gets in college football. So we're in good shape there. Um, so that gives you guys a quick little snapshot of what I think we're dealing with here coming out of spring practice. And now it's time to get to your calls and see what you think. We'll have Matt Shodell on in a little bit. We'll see what he thinks. Um, and we'll try to cover it uh, all for you here um, in the coming minutes. And, um, and uh, hopefully uh, by the time we're done, you'll have a clear understanding and snapshot look of what this football team looks like going into off-season workouts. So the number, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's see who we got first tonight. It's the 786. I got a feeling I know who this is going to be. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Gary, my friend, how are you? What's up, everything? I knew that was you. Uh, just hanging in there. Hey, I just missed you Saturday, uh, I guess right next to the elevator. Uh, so I just missed you. But um, I had a chance to, to be there Saturday, and I didn't get to see the same thing that I saw when I came home and, and watched it again on, on ACC Network. And uh, I, I guess what I can surmise the whole thing is, is just by saying this. The questions we had going into spring – most of those questions are still unanswered and contributing to that was the lack of understanding or knowing rather the injury situation with so many of these kids, including those kids got nicked up uh, either this game or in the previous scrimmages rather uh, in practices. So when you look at the totality of, of the spring experience, um, the main question to me that was answered is, do you have somebody proficient enough uh, at the quarterback level or skill set and the ability to be a playmaker uh, in that in the shotgun or under center or however you want to refer to that? And, and I think that that was the main question 
that was definitely answered? And the answer is yes. Um, I think you've got two two very talented kids. Uh, but I've always told you, Gary, when when you evaluate a quarterback, you're looking at vision, them being able to anticipate the throw before it's time to make the throw. But there's that other element of just being able to be smooth in the pocket, stepping up, sliding in the pocket, and being able to hit, make big plays. And to me, the Garcia kid is is the more talented of the group, but he's the he's the better player in the pocket. Um, he's not going to be a threat, I don't think, a viable threat with his feet. But what he does bring is – I'm not going to compare him to Sam Howell because that's totally unfair, but he's kind of got that little confidence, that little – the it factor. He's got that swag, man, and he freaking makes plays, Gary. No doubt about it. I mean, just an absolutely confident kid, and, and it shows the minute he steps on the field. And if we look at what college football has evolved evolved into, it's about the, the guy that plays quarterback. That's the guy that can elevate and take the team wherever it needs to go. The question marks that we have on defense have been compounded with the injury situation. We talked about DJ Ivy. We're looking at um, defensive end. Uh, the kid didn't get a chance to play much. How effective is he going to be? You're looking at your defensive tackles, uh, Nesta not being there. And then you look at, you know, your corners, uh, Al Blades, uh, the Corey Couch got nicked up. So there are a lot of, there's so many more question marks that we had before spring, and it's so concerning. And what you have to accept now, it's, it's, it's the 20th of April, we have to accept now that the way we're going to win games is, is in a shootout. We're not going to mm-hmm. win games defensively. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly what it's looking like to me. I mean, I agree with you. But, you know, the thing is, it's like, to me, it, 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 it's like I'm not going to sit here and make excuses about guys that sat out the spring game because they, they were on both sides of the ball. I mean, I mean, De'Ara King, Don Chaney, and Will Mallory are probably three of the top, what, four or five players on the team for sure. I mean, they're on Absolutely. offense. So, yeah. So, like, look, I mean – you recruit Dunson, you know, you, you know, you, re- you recruit uh, Jalen Harrell, you recruit a lot of these guys that were all out there uh, playing Keyshawn on Saturday. Washington. Keyshawn Washington. Yeah, they've all, they're all recruits. They're, they're, they're no different than the, than the other guys. And I know the other guys have played a little bit more football, but these guys should be able to be competitive athletically out there, certainly. And, and, and if they're not, then that goes back to the bigger problem which you know that I've always felt was the program's problem, and that's Absolutely. recruiting evaluation. And, you know, you, you know it, it's, it's, it's like, you know, there can't be that great of a draw. I mean, like, you know, to Corey Couch and Al Blades are, are good players, but are either one of, one of them so seasoned and so phenomenal that when they're not on the field that, the other four or five guys on scholarship at cornerback, you know, should get dominated by the offense, which also is weakened to the degree that they were this spring, where to where the quarterbacks are completing 70% of the passes. And, you know, oh, you know, some people, oh, it was vanilla, vanilla defense. Well, they're playing vanilla offense. Also, like everything was equal. And the bottom line is the offensive side of the organization, to me, 
looked further along. Uh, you know, I, now is it better coaching by the individual coaches? Is it the scheme of Rhett Lashley? Is it the, the quality of the quarterback play? It might be a little bit of all those things, but you know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses and, and, you know, whatever. Like, like I want to see these young guys developing and, and becoming quality players. And, you know, you need Isaiah Dunson to be better than Al Blades if this program's going to go anywhere. Well, and, and that's where that's where it brings me to my next uh, area of concern is when you look at the athletic ability the speed at which these younger kids are playing compared to the older guys. Our older guys, especially on that big touch that run that Knighton had, the older guys that were in there are still making the same mistakes with angles. They yep. still don't know how to tackle, and they haven't changed. So nothing there, uh, nothing there has them. Then all of a sudden you see a kid like Keontra Smith that was is pretty much at will now. And you saw what his speed could do, how it impacted the efficiency of the defense. And conversely, you saw with the lack of pass rush how a kid as talented as Tyreek Stevenson is, not only in, the, in that scrimmage but in the other scrimmage and in practice, get burnt. So, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much a combination of a million factors, but the identity of this defense was not established during this time frame. It should have been. It hasn't been, and it might be October, and we still might be in the same type of situation because there isn't enough guys, there aren't enough Jimmys and Joes for us to be an effective defense right now. And that's the God's honest truth. You've got a bunch of young guys, but they don't know the scheme. It takes a while to understand the scheme. You know, players always make plays. Playmakers make plays. They impact the game. We've got two young kids coming in. But look at what we continue to emphasize, Gary, young kids, speed, young kids. It confirms the failures that you just brought about with regards to Manny recruiting linebackers, with regards to our defensive recruiting up front, especially in the pass, in the pass rush area. So you look at it, all those things come to fruition, and the reality is the only way we're going to win games and consistently win games is by our offense and shootouts and our special teams executing at a high level because the defense at this stage is just looking like they're an average defense at best Gary at best and yeah that's how it looked to me yeah, I, I feel the same way as you do. I mean, we're not going to know for sure until the fall. I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing. Who are we playing? What kind of weapons do they have? How good are their coordinators? Uh, how good is their head, their head coach? Uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's going to be the situation. It's probably a little kind of similar to last year. Uh, but there is not impact talent that I'm seeing on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there's certainly no Jalen Phillips. There's no Quincy Roche. There's no Greg Russo, uh, who obviously was there two years ago. Um, I'm not seeing even a Shaq Quarterman or a Michael Pinckney. Um, I, I just, I think the talent on the defensive side of the ball is challenged. I really do. And I uh, hope I'm wrong. And I hope they end up being better than we all think. And, you know, maybe some will develop here over the summer uh, and, and the fall. Um, but I'm not seeing a lot of game-changing guys, you know, that are gonna that are gonna turn the game with their ability. You can still add that, and, and that leads me to my last thing here. 
and I've always been telling you for the last, I want to say since January, December, been saying you can't worry about getting 25 high school kids anymore. You got to worry about getting 17 to 18 to arrest transfers. And right now, the way that things stand with the NC2A, you've got to go out there and anybody that's a proven commodity at linebacker at pass rush, you need to forego the future. And this might sound a bit horrific for most most of you out there, but you've got to go ahead and cash in now and utilize now because you've got to win now. This is the new norm for us, is every year to get 17 to 18 kids from the from basically from the high school ranks and they get the rest of the kids as portal transfers because that's the only way that we're going to have an opportunity to compete at the highest level in the ACC, let alone have a chance to compete for a national championship. There's a linebacker out of Tennessee. There's a defensive end out of Penn State. There's a defensive end out of Missouri. There's a linebacker out of Vandy. We can go on and on. There's an outstanding corner from an FCS school. There are kids out there that right now, you, after looking at all the film, and Manny said, well, I think Manny Navarro brought it up in one of the, the, the sessions. Hey, what are you going to do now? I mean, well, we got to wait and see, look at all the film. There's nothing else to see. Well, no, they don't know. The, the, the problem that they have is they don't know what the numbers are going to be. And for whatever reason, the NCAA has been really slow clarifying it for everybody. And, you know, they've used up all their initials uh, for this year. And unless that number is waived and they're allowed to bring in more kids, then, well, you know, they may, they may not be able to bring in another transfer. I don't, I don't know how that, you know – can and after June you can, but it's going to count towards next year's allotment of twenty five. Yeah, and if you and if you're bringing a kid in the, in the middle of the summer already, it's like is he really going to be positioned to help you a lot? I don't, you know, he better be a pretty damn good player at, at that point. So, you know, I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with any of it, um, but I think that that they're going to be having to rely on what they've got on 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 the on the field right now more than likely. There comes a time that you've got to go ahead and put all your ducks in a row and put every, all your cards at the table and, and basically bet everything you have to get that one or two impactful guys. If it's a pass, yeah. well, guy, I, it's a I think guy. Manny would be willing to do that, to. everything. I, I think he would be willing to do it. Exactly. I think he, you know, he knows this is, I mean, this is money year for Manny Diaz. I mean, every second of Manny Diaz's existence in the next six months is going to be predicated on what can he do to win enough games to get Blake James to add a couple years to his contract? Because those extra couple years are going to be worth $8 million to him. And, you know, he'll do Very whatever. I, he's not worried about three, four, five years down the road. I guarantee you. He, you know, he, he knows that he needs to win now, and he wants to win now. And whatever he can do within the guidelines that end up being provided by the NCAA, I think, I think we'll see him do. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, everything. Uh, thanks, as always, for, for being on the show. Great points, as, as always. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Gary. Be well. Go Canes, baby. You got it, man. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 845. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how you doing, man? Greg, how are you, buddy? Talk you to us, man. Give us, give us the juice. Give us your predictions for, for the next, I guess, few months. 
predictions. I'll give yeah, you, you were you were you're still a legend for the for the last one. Yeah, I'll give you some definites in life. Death, taxes, and pulp and Wiggins will drop a pass every game. <laughs> Oh man, you know their their moms are listening right now too. Come on, don't don't be don't don't don't, don't be so brutal. They're regular they're regular listeners to the show. Tell tell Mrs. Pope and Mrs. Mrs. Wiggins that you apologize. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, okay. But anyway, um, that sets a bad example in my eyes, Gary. If you're if you continue to put these two out there. Why is Keyshawn Smith not ahead of these two clowns? Why? Why not? I think he's right there. I mean, he's right on the doorstep. And, and by the fall, I think he will be. Um, but you've got to have more than, you know, they're trying to have six, seven, eight guys. And if you're going to go that deep, I think Pope and Wiggins got to be in that group. So, you know, Mike, Michael Redding is not ready to be better than Wiggins. I know Wiggins dropped balls, but you know he, he's just not—he's not ready to be better than Wiggins. He, you know, so like you got it. So they, they just—they got to have enough guys. That's why I think you're seeing Restrepo get every chance and and capitalizing on it to get into that rotation. Um, but yeah, I don't—you know—I just don't think that there's enough guys ready to beat those guys out, in my opinion. Okay. Right. If we if we're gonna have Zach McLeod starting as a defensive end, we're going nowhere fast. I agree. I agree, okay. but that shows you where we are, man. I just talked about it. I know you were listening. I, I, I mean, it is it is what it is. Gary, our last four recruiting classes were ranked sixth, thirty fifth, twelfth, and tenth. Okay, and we can't feel the competitive defense with that. Doesn't that doesn't mean? I mean, listen. I know it sounds crazy, you know, being that you know we're part of rivals and recruiting rankings and all that. <laughs> but the, at the end of the day, it's not that you're getting a few four stars or whatever. It's which ones you're getting. Uh, we're gonna have a story this week that I want you to make sure you look at uh, about showing how few guys that are four and five stars actually end up getting drafted by the NFL. Uh, it'll be part of our NFL draft coverage. And it's like, it's startling. I mean, and it just supports what I say all the time. It's not about how many four stars you sign. It's how well are you evaluating to where the four stars that you sign are the good four stars. You know, there's 250 of them every year. Okay. I want to talk. <clears throat> we have one recruit. For the next class, right? Right we now we do, yeah. So yeah, we do. Is absolutely right. He's going to bring in some transfers. What, what about this USC linebacker? Why aren't? Why isn't he here yet? That guy's a, he because right. I think right now they don't have any initials to bring anybody in. Now what you, you know. There, there's there's something in in the rules, and um, Matt Shodell has researched this a little bit more than me, and he's coming on right after you here, and I'll, and we'll talk about that. But there's something that is keeping them. 
from counting forward right now. I think once you get to a certain point in the summer that you can, um, but I know that the, the, you know, anytime we spoke to Manny about it in the last couple months, it was always like, we're out of initials, we're out of initials. Um, now, I think that once they can turn the page and start counting forward, uh, I do think there's a chance that they would bring in a few tr- transfers just because the roster's so young. I mean, I, I, it's like 65% or something of the roster is freshmen. So they need to get a little older. And uh, transfers certainly accomplishes that, even if it's not just for this year. Even going forward into next year, I think that you're right in that they will bring in transfers because they need to get older. The, the, the roster's too young right now. Uh, okay. Do you see any uh, signings for 2022 in the next month in June? Uh, yes, I think there's going to be a lot of activity in June. I, I think that um, you know you're going to see uh, when June 1st gets here, it's going to be like turning on a water faucet. Okay, um, June 1st they're having a barbecue on campus for the 2022 kids. I wouldn't be surprised if they walk out of there with a commitment or two. Um, then the ne- I think it's the next day they're having a barbecue for the 2023 and 2024 kids. And wouldn't be shocked if you saw a couple commitments come out of that. And then once, once that's out of the way, you're going to have kids visiting campus every single day. Uh, you're going to have visits. Kids are going to be going all over the place. The month of June, in my opinion, is going to be unlike anything that we have ever seen in, in well, I'm not going to say ever, but it's going to be unlike anything we've seen in quite some time in recruiting. Um, it's going to be like taking six months of recruiting and packing it into one month, and it's going to be insane. You're going to have so many kids visiting. Um, you're going to have um, kids committing, kids decommitting. Uh, it, it, it's going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be insane. Uh, we're not going to get much sleep at Kane Sport in the month of June. But my last quick point, you're good at reading players. Like you, you said, told us Job is never going to sign with Miami. Yeah. What are our chances with Armella and Innis right now? Um, Innis, I, 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 I don't think is out of the question. Uh, although, I mean, that kid's going to have his pick of the entire country. So I don't know. Um, Armella does not look to me at all like he's planning on staying home. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of Alabama there. I'm hearing LSU there. I know Florida State thinks that they can get in because of the, the, the legacy stuff and all that. Um, so I don't feel I don't feel great. At, I don't feel good at all about Armella. Um, very so-so about Innis and the other top kids down here this year, I don't feel good about, um, you know, I, I think Shamar Stewart is going to leave. Um, you know, just, I I don't think, I I don't think that this is going to be a great recruiting year for Miami locally. And I think that's why you see them being so aggressive and so active outside of the area. And I think that's a good thing. You know, I, I don't think Miami football can rely just on South Florida. I, I, I know, you know, all of us down here, we love to think it's all about the 305 and the 954. Uh, it's not. 
Uh, I think that's been proven. Look at the last 20 years. And I think that Miami needs to get back to recruiting on a national level. And I think these coaches are a little better recruiters than what we've had in the past and, and maybe a little bit more capable of going outside the area and battling a little bit. And we're going to see how they do. It's, it's going to be very interesting. All right. Thanks, Gary. I'll talk to you next time. All right, Greg, great speaking to you as always. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Now I'm going to switch gears, and we're going to do a quick check-in with our Kane Sport Managing Editor, Mr. Matt Shodell. Uh, Matt, have you uh, gotten some sleep and recovered from Rivals Camp Miami Sunday in that 90-whatever-degree heat it was? Oh, my God. I was dead for a day and oh, a half yeah. after that. Oof. It was yeah, hot out there, fun. folks. We should, have, we should have sent Greg out there. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to follow Greg, but I'll try. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty brutally hot out there. I mean, in the, on, on that artificial surface at Doral Academy, and it was, it was definitely over 90, uh, very little breeze. And uh, the kids fought through it, though. They're kids. Um, but anyway, let's talk uh, spring football first. Uh, no, actually – Let's talk recruiting for a second because I want to get back to the question that Greg was just talking about, and I think I described it properly with the in terms of the numbers, and I know you've been crunching those things, and uh, Manny's made it pretty clear that they think they're out of initials here right now. Um, when, do you have an understanding? When, when does that uh, switch change to where they can start counting transfers towards next year? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to, you know, Miami coaches just about number stuff in the past, and what it always was that it was explained to me is that as long as a kid enrolls in January or in the summer, it doesn't matter. They can count forward as long as it's a transfer, um, just like an early enrollee can count backwards. And so the, the other issue, like, you know, there's, as everyone knows, there's two numbers, the 25 initials every year, which Miami is completely full. They, they had nothing left over after the last cycle because they took a couple – of transfers, um, the spots they had open, counting backwards. And then <clears throat> the 85 roster number, which the NCAA has not changed, which they're going to have to do something about, not this coming season, but the season after. Um, and, and to your point of taking transfers, so right now, uh, if the roster stays the way it is, and they don't sort of jettison anybody and nobody else decides to leave, that 85 number, there's only room for two transfers to come in, uh, and they can take them whenever they want. What Mbia said was they were out of initials, and then what he also said this spring um, or pre-spring was they want to see what they have at linebacker and some other positions before deciding what transfers to take because if they feel comfortable at a position, they don't have to cost uh, a spot in the 2022 class. And the nice thing about that is I don't think, you know, if they're smart, they're not going to fill up this coming class, the 2022 class, because like you said, the local guys – uh, the top ones, for whatever reason, don't seem as interested. I mean, they haven't committed. They, they just, they're just supporting all their options, which is never a good sign. And uh, currently right now there's 53 freshmen scheduled to be on the roster when you include the people arriving this summer they are going to be freshmen. And then if you take 25 more freshmen in the next class, you're going to have 78 roster players in 2022 on the team that are freshmen or sophomores, which is insane. I mean, you don't want that. Like, they're, they're, that's too many guys. They're going to leave. They're going to be fourth, fifth teamers. They're not going to be happy. 
So to me, it makes sense to sign a very small class this year of maybe 10 to 15 top guys. Don't waste your time on guys that you don't know are going to be the real deal. Don't get projects this year, okay? Take, if you need help right away, you realize you need four or five transfers and you get a couple of guys to transfer out, take four or five transfers, the positions you need, get the right guys. And if you do that, you're going to have five to ten more leftover scholarships that you can count forwards for extra transfers, extra recruits in the future um, that can count forward or backward for early enrollees. Um, and that's a, a great way during this COVID era to beat this system that the NCAA has set up where these kids all have these extra years of eligibility and rosters are going to balloon to 120 kids and no one's going to be happy on the team. Um, you know, if Miami's smart, and I was going to ask Manny about this, but this spring, you don't even talk that much this spring. If they're smart, they will not fill up this class at all. You know, 10 to 15 max is if I'm the coach because you don't need the numbers. And the 2023 class is stacked. And the 2022 class, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, if you get great guys, you're not going to turn them down. But to me, you, you start building the program using this. It, it's almost like trading your best player in the NFL for four future aspects, you know. Don't get the kids now. You don't need the roster numbers. Save them, you know. So that's what I would do. I think that would give them a huge competitive advantage down the road, um, you know, when all these freshmen and sophomores are now juniors and seniors because they all, you know, to these top kids in the country, listen, we've been winning 10 games a year, hopefully. And you come here, you know, we're planning to reload. You're part of that, blah, 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 blah. You bring these huge classes in the 2024, 2025 years when Miami's already offering these kids and working some of the top kids right now. You can take 30 kids in one of those classes if you save these scholarships now. So to me, that's what makes sense. Will Manny Diaz do that? Or is he fixated on just trying to win right now and make sure that his job and his other guys' jobs are safe this year and next year? I don't know. But I think for the best interest of the program, take 10 to 15 recruits this year, take you know, four or five transfers if you need to, and save the rest mm-hmm. of the spots. I agree. I, I think you're you're spot on. Uh, and you know, being out at Rivals Camp on Sunday, I, I never felt more sure about what you're saying, and and couldn't agree more because the talent base in South Florida this year is not the same as it was a year ago when they took all those guys and. They're going to have to go out of town, bulk of their recruiting, and you're just not going to get 25 great guys from out of town. So, so yeah, like, you know, do exactly what you said. And even if you save five scholarships for the next cycle or whatever, the team needs to get older. It, you know, it, the, the roster needs – the, the roster balance needs to change a little bit. Um, so, you know, why not start moving in that direction now? Now, I mentioned Shamar Stewart. I, we talked about Armella. Um, I'll – throw in Earl Little Jr. in there, um, you know, the the best players from this area don't look like they're coming to Miami this year, and it looks like we're going backwards a little bit in in that regard. Uh, have you seen, in, in your eyes, a reason for that and why that trend might be reverting a little bit? Well, <laughs> every year and every kid's different. Like, I mean, Armella – wouldn't even commit to going to Miami's barbecue June first, you know, it sounds like, he's going I know, to I know. Uh, yeah. Earl Little, you know, was highly interested in Miami, but you know, he, he just doesn't seem to be anymore. Uh, I've been told Shamar Stewart, uh, you know, was basically an LSU lock. I don't think Miami has ever expected to get him. I don't know uh, where he might wind up, but Miami is certainly not expecting to get him. So like, yeah. Why is it? I mean, you know, it, it, it's, 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 just sort of what has happened with wins and losses and just kids, some kids want to leave the area. Um, 
you know, some kids want to go to the SEC. Like, that's just sort of like what kids want to do nowadays is play for the cool conference, you know, which happens to be the SEC right now. And until Miami can play with Clemson, uh, you can't expect to get kids that Alabama, LSU, Ohio State are going after, or even Georgia. I mean, it's just, it's just very, very difficult when those schools all gang up on Miami and tell kids, uh, if you go to Miami, you know, look what happened to these kids. Look at their draft picks over the last whatever number of years of your position. Um, there, there's just too much to negative recruit against. And Miami, the, the only way to fight that is to win games and get guys in the NFL draft and not just, you know, a defensive end that transferred for a year and played here and, and a kid who opted out. I'm talking about, you know, back when they had, you know, six, seven, eight kids going in the first three or four rounds. Like, that's when you can say, come here and we will make you millions of dollars and you can stay home and play in front of your family. Right now it's just too easy to negative recruit uh, against Miami. And last year Miami lucked out with, with COVID, as crazy as it sounds. I mean, kids literally could not take visits. I don't think James Williams winds up at Miami if he could take visits. Um, and, and there's a few other kids. You know, even Thaddeus Franklin was 50-50 until he couldn't take visits. So, like, it, it was just a really – lucky circumstance i think it's going to really help miami over the next few years that they had that great class last year um but this year it's almost like <laughs> you know it's like in life right something great happens and something bad happens it all sort of evens out in the end so I, I don't think this class this year is going to be as good locally like you said now maybe they will luck out and get some top out-of-state guys and convince them to come here but um but the other problem is with all these kids that are coming back that were starters last year you know, what position can they point to and say, you know, and, and with the young kids on, in the class, what position can you say, you know, you're definitely going to come here and start. If you go to, that, you know, this school or that school, you'll never start. You know, it's just, it's a difficult situation with, with, with them getting a top class and then so many sophomores and juniors still on the team. Um, you know, I, I think there's only, how many seniors? Five, I'm counting right now. There's five, nine, nine seniors on the team this year. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. It's a tough sell. Yeah, I mean, eventually there'll be some um, some defections and things like that. There's going to be some transfers down the road. So it's just too many young players on the team. They're not all going to be able to play. And, but we'll worry about that a year or two down the road. Um, let's talk about what we saw this, you know, this spring, uh, out at the spring game on Saturday. We, we finally got a chance to, to see a detailed body of work. And not a ton of surprises, but uh, – Let's start with the quarterbacks. I, I was very impressed with how those two guys handled themselves. Uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, just watching the scrimmage, uh, it was pretty obvious that, you know, Jake Garcia seemed um, more explosive. But, you know, it was a great article um, <laughs> written on our site the other day that sort of looked at it a, a little more closely. And, um, and I agree with the analysis that Jake Garcia was more playing on instinct and Tyler Van Dyke was more playing, you know, was playing smarter, you know, like he's a more mm-hmm. cerebral guy, which makes sense because he's been in the system. Um, now the question is, can Jake get to that level quickly? Um, you know, I, I do think that next year when this is an actual battle to start, um, assuming there's no setback for Derek King, uh, I personally think Jake Garcia will be the starter. Uh, just based on what I saw in the spring game. <laughs> so, again, that's a small window to watch. But I, that's how impressed I was with Jake Garcia. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a true freshman who's been on campus for, you know, three-something months and actually had an injury where he couldn't even practice to start the spring and was held out, you know, of, of a lot of the workouts beforehand um, because of that, coming from a high school injury. It looked like that. Like, that was super impressive to me. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned the analysis that we have on canesport.com today that was done by uh, Thomas Frank Carr, and he, he really did a sensational job breaking down 
everything that took place on Saturday and, and really goes deep in depth into uh, the ins and outs and positives and minuses of uh, negatives rather of uh, both uh, Garcia and, and Van Dyke. And I encourage any of you guys listening who have not read that yet, uh, go to canesport.com and read that story. It's uh, one of the better ones that we've had in, uh, recently. Uh, Matt, uh, let me shift gears. Uh, I, I went through the whole team at the top of the show, but I, I, I do want to get your opinion on the defense. And um, I walked out of that. I, I was look. I was concerned about the defense before spring practice ever began. I do not see a lot of impact talent on that side of the ball. And I know uh, I know people are going to say, "Oh, you know, Gary, you're always talking about impact talent." You say the same shit every year. But um, yeah, but no. I mean, I know someone's going to say that. But it's it. I, I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, last year we had a couple guys that emerged. They were transfers. That you know. Um, you know, Phillips ended up, he was a one-year loner <laughs> that, you know, came in and, 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 and yeah, he was great. Quincy Roche, I thought was very, very good. He was a transfer. Um, they have not been able to recruit impact defensive players in many, many years here. And I see the same thing this year. I see some good players. I mean, you know, but I don't see a lot of great players and I don't see a lot of depth. And I think that really showed uh, in the spring scrimmages and showed at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, defense is going to be very, very average. But you know what? <clears throat> There's an easy schedule. Um, the, uh, you know, these opponents, other than, you know, Alabama and North Carolina are obviously going to cause a lot of problems. But if Miami's going to win, it's going to win, it's going to win games with offense, not with defense, which is like such a weird thing, given the history of the program and how good the defense has been here. Um, I'm not sure on paper, like on paper, I don't even think the defense is better than last year's defense. I mean, you lose. Oh, no, I, I don't think it's close. But that's scary. I mean, that's when scary. you take, Phil, I mean, you, you're taking two guys, Philip, you're taking Phillips and Roche out of the equation. And, uh, and you don't have any, when the defense was so the defense got the defense coordinator fired last year. And now it's hypothetically a worse defense on paper. It's crazy, but you know, we'll see. Maybe Manny Diaz is the answer that everyone hopes he is. I mean, if he can figure out how to get this defense to be dominating, uh, you know, then, I mean, anybody who criticizes him after that is out of their minds because this defense is full of average players. And, uh, you know, like everyone says, oh, the spring game doesn't matter. The defense is playing vanilla, and they're missing all these guys from injuries. Well, I mean, here's the defensive guys missing from injuries with, with Bubba Bolden, who was not good the last half of last year. Sam Brooks, who has never done anything, and, you know, people are hoping he'll be great and start, but, I mean, he's never done anything. Al Blades, Marcus Clark to Corey Couch, three cornerbacks. Uh, Couch was awful in the bowl game, uh, was okay in a couple of games earlier in the year. Al Blades was benched, you know, before he had the problem. Marcus Clark, you know, who knows? He was a freshman. And then um, Brian Ballum was a backup. And then Nessa Silvera, who's arguably the top returning player on defense. I don't know, but, I mean, I don't think he's that good. So, like, he's good, don't get me wrong, but, like, He's not going to be a game changer at defensive tackle. I mean, he did what he did last year with everybody worrying about the two defensive ends, and he was okay last year. He wasn't great. Correct. He was very good. So, so it, it's a big problem on defense, but the good news is I think the offense is going to be even better, you know, with a full year and, and, and all the talent back and adding Charlton Rambo. I mean, I think the offense is going to be really good. And, I, you know, everyone wants to say Tyreek Stevenson is going to make the, the defensive back so much better, but, like, I, I'm not sold on that yet. Um, you know, he, he he basically was a backup cornerback at Georgia. I mean, he's he basically in a few different positions there. Um, but 
you know, he's a big guy. There's some question about the fluidity of his hips and covering certain guys. And I, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I do think he'll be their top cornerback. I'm just not sure he's going to be able to shut down the top receiver on every single team that we play this year without help over the top, you know. So um, so we'll see. You know, if any of wants to gamble and do all the blitzes that he likes to do, you need the cornerbacks to hold up, and I'm just not sold that's going to happen. That really, to me, is going to be the key. Can the cornerbacks hold up in a lot of one-on-one situations they're going to be put in? Because I think for Manny to dial up pressure, he's not getting it with the front four like he did last year. He's going to have to bring linebackers and bring safeties a lot and yes. do it all different sorts of ways. And if other teams diagnose that and the cornerbacks don't hold up, there's going to be a lot of points scored in these games next year. Yep, but he's at, you're exactly right. He's going to have to take chances, and uh, we'll see how, how it works out. Sometimes it might look great. Sometimes it might not look so great. And I, I think what you said earlier, that they're going to have to score a lot of points to win against good teams, I, I think will apply uh, this year. And uh, I think I think it was that they had to get in the 40s to win the NC State game last year. Uh, that was a you know decent team. Uh, they'll be decent again this year. They come to Hard Rock. Um, I think Florida State is going to be better um, and probably capable of doing some things. Um, obviously, North Carolina, Alabama. Uh, from there, when you look at the Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, Georgia Tech, we don't know if any of them are going to be competitive or not. You know, probably not. You know, it's not a very difficult schedule. But there'll be four or five outings there where, you know, maybe Michigan State could put a good game together. I'm not, you know, I haven't studied their team yet. But there'll be your usual four, five, six weekends where the games are going to be close and tight. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, right now the defense is looking a little problematic. All right, Matt. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show tonight. And, uh, you know, now we'll be diving into recruiting for the next few months. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be nuts, man. And, you know, May getting ready for June and then June. June's going to be absolutely insane. And uh, then there's a, a quiet period in July to kind of shift gears and we'll start looking towards the season a little bit in July. So we'll be giving you guys quite the fix through the whole off season. We promise it's going to be very active and very exciting, um, you know, through this recruiting period. And then obviously with Alabama as the season opening opponent, once we get into August with training camp and everything. Um, so yeah, there'll be plenty for us to cover plenty for you guys to keep up on here in the next few months. And uh, so Matt, yeah, thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll talk to you again next time. Perfect. All right, that's Matt Shodell, our managing editor at canesport.com. You know the number, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go now to the 727. You're live on Canesport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. Hey, what's up, Jake? How you been, man? Doing good, doing good. Can't complain. So one thing I wanted to ask, um, yeah, this isn't really spring game related, but why do you think it is that we just can't seem to get any traction in South Florida? Like, you know, arguably we're, we're going to put three defensive ends in the top 100 in the NFL draft, and the one position, like, you know, it's pretty well agreed upon 2022, bad year for South Florida. But the one position that it's absolutely stacked at is defensive end, and yet 
we've we've got traction with maybe defensive end in South Florida. Like what? You know, uh, at, at what at what point is it almost yeah, like time you know, to move on? I think number one, these kids were transfers, so there's no there's no roots, there's no familiarity. Um, I don't think Miami's Russo getting pre- through. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know, Roche and Phillips last year were. Uh, you're right. Well, so let's go. Russo. Let's go further than that. Manny Diaz. Every year, he's been a coach. It, defensive ends should be clamoring to play in this system. He's put a defensive lineman in the NFL every single year that he's been here. Granted, yeah, right. some of them you're have right. been pretty low draft picks, but nonetheless. He's dealt with a lower caliber of talent. Like, it's easy for Alabama. They're getting top 50 players left and right. So you should put guys in the first round. That's that's just simple numbers. But Miami is actually taking lesser guys, especially if there's one position you could say it at. It's defensive line. They've taken lesser players and consistently put them in the NFL. So now you've got these high-caliber players, and they're just like, ah, pound sand. I want to go to the SEC. You know, at some point, like, you know, I, I get we got to have these hardcore alpha recruiters. Fine, whatever. But, like, there just seems – there seems to be no buy-in and no loyalty in the well, community. And I, I just don't know how you break that. All right, let's see if we can – let's, 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 let, 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 let's try to figure it out right here. All right. So you mentioned Rousseau. Uh-huh. Rousseau, and, and, and that was a great point. Rousseau was a wide receiver in high school at Champagne High School in Hialeah, which I don't know if you're familiar with that school. It's a, it's a little uh, warehouse school in Hialeah that, you know, yeah. where, kid, where kids go they went to get their academics straight, whatever. Um, so Rousseau wasn't really like, he, nobody saw him even playing defensive end. And like, it wasn't like, oh, the, this great defensive end from Dade County is going to Miami. No, he was an athlete going to Miami. They turned him into a defensive end. He basically played one year, okay? So, like, there there wasn't even time to develop him as a personality, to market him. Uh, he just he, – he, he, the year that you might have done that, he opted out. So – you know that so so that's one thing I th- I think that we can we can point to. Um, the other is the last time Miami played for anything in football was 20 years ago. They're recruiting 17 year old kids. No doubt. So these kids don't identify with Miami football doing Jack Diddley because it hasn't done Jack Diddley in in but, all these like, years. You know. Uh... The Armella kid. Now, FSU has been a punching bag for the last, what, four years? He seems pretty yeah. interested in FSU. I don't, so I think, I don't think he's really that interested like, in FSU. I, I could be wrong. I, I think he's, he's going to go to Al- Marvin Alabama. Jones, uh, like, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is. Uh, you know, and it's just like, it, it just seems like there is, it seems like the predominant mindset of South Florida kids, even though Miami pours boatloads into the community, they put on these camps, they put on all this stuff for South Florida kids. And it just seems like it's like, ah, if nothing better comes along, maybe I'll give them a shot. Yeah, well, let me give you another factor. 
I'm going to give you another factor that 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 I that I feel is is real, and um, that's the coaching staff turnover that we've had here. It, it's been like ridic- oh, yeah. it's it, it's been ridiculous. So you don't have guys recruiting high schools for multiple years, you know, in a row. Really, um, the the one exception was Coach Bonda down in the southern part of Dade County. And look where we got our kids. Like, you know, we got, we got a couple kids from Palmetto. We got a few kids from, you know, from, from South Dade and, and um, Southridge and, and, and those schools. Like, so, you know, now he's gone. Well, who, who the hell are we going to have recruiting South Florida? We're going to have T-Rob, um, who's recruiting for us for the, for the first time. Um, Coach Ish. Uh, Ishmael Aristide will be recruiting in South yeah, Florida, I mean, I'm sure. I agree, though. Like, it, T-Rob's been in South Florida for, what, a decade now? I mean, Yeah, you know, but not he, recruiting for Miami. And, not recruiting for Miami. And there's a big difference coming down. There. He does. He knows some. But, like, it, it's a big difference when you're coming in to recruit one or two kids, and now you're responsible for the whole southern part of Dade County. You know, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, he's one of the better recruiters in the country. Uh, I'm sure he'll do fine, but – but now you're sitting here, and you don't have the kids to – you don't have the level of kids that, that you really need to take. Look, for Miami to get to the next level, it has to recruit better. It has to evaluate better. Um, you know, just loading up on local kids because they're local kids, if they're not good enough to be difference makers, if they're not going to let you compete with Clemson, then what the hell is the point? And, and this is why it's like well, I'm just I'm, saying, I'm, but I'm craving Jay for the, Jay for the day that this whole cycle turns. I mean, this cycle has got to change at some point. I mean, all of us we're all like getting old and gray, waiting for this to happen. <laughs> My, Miami foot Miami football can Luckily, be Miami I, I, I football. A little bit earlier, so Jake, um, it can be Miami football. Know, like, Trust me, this program can be what we want it to be. It can be. They got to let it be Miami. I think it can be Clemson. I, I, I think, you know. 100%. Me, like, what's, 100% no, it could be Clemson. I mean, yes, it absolutely can. Absolutely can. We caught lightning in a bottle. I, you know, and I, I'm a pumper. I, I'm one of those guys who starts the season. Hey, why not? Let's beat Alabama. But you just look like like the, the, the shifts. I, I mean, I look at like just the the demographic shifts. The the think about just think about the the type of kid that you first started. You know, look, I, I, I'm sure back in the '80s. I you know, I when I first started watching Miami in the '80s, I, I was eight years old and I lived in Chicago. So I don't know, other than historically, you know what what Miami was like back then. Uh, you know, I don't know, but like. The kids who came in, they were hard nosed. They they were they were tough. Like it seems like just we, we get all these prima donnas. All they're focused on is I want three years minimal effort, and I think that's another problem. Is I think a lot of guys too, they hit kind of that cap where they're just good enough to get in the NFL. You, you saw Joe Jackson, John Garvin, Chad Thomas all went to the NFL. They left so much in the tank, just like, oh, I just want to get that money. I just want to go get over to the NFL and, and so many other guys. And, and, you know, you look at that uh, change. Think of, like, Ed Reed or think of Alonzo Highsmith or all these guys. That, these guys were hard-nosed, badass football players. Like, you know, the NFL, I'm sure they wanted to make money. No doubt. Everybody does. Uh, who can blame them? But – 
these guys were about team. They were about football, about hard work. I, I just, I, I don't see that same attitude coming out of South Florida that, that it used to. And yeah, sure. It produces talent, but I just, I don't think it produces the same work ethic that made Miami, Miami. And I, I just, I don't know. I, to, to me, it's just more and more, it's seeming like lightning in a bottle type of thing as opposed to something that can be duped. I think we could be Georgia. I think we could be Oklahoma, uh, you know, a 10-win perennial. But, you know, that, that just dominant powerhouse every year. We don't have offensive line. We don't have quarterbacks uh, in, in our neck of the woods. And building a national brand, you know, before it, the national brand was what was on TV. And so all these kids growing up, Miami was this renegade city, somewhere off in a tropical paradise, and uh, and you had all these badass football players down there. That drew a ton of people there. But, like, now everyone's Instagram famous. Um, you know, Miami isn't some exotic locale. The Kardashians are all over the place there, and people like them everywhere. It's not the same thing. And I don't know. Usually I'm more optimistic, but – I just find myself thinking, like, I, I would be so satisfied just knowing that our team was going to win 10 games every year and that I wasn't going to be infuriated by a North Carolina loss like we had last season. I, I could if they, if they would have lost that game, let's say they lose it by eight, I, I'd be happy as shit with last season. I just, you know, it's the embarrassment that, that that's uh, – and, and that's like – that comes down to personal pride. I just, you know, I was at that game. I don't think that team had any pride in itself. And they, they just said, ah, well, they're going to steamroll us. I just don't see that cutthroat mentality anymore coming out. I, yeah, I well, hope to God Manny Diaz can solve it. Cause I, you know, like you said earlier, 20 years, it's been 20 years since our last national championship. That's an entire generation of players. These kids weren't even born. Uh, that we're recruiting. They were. They were. <laughs> they weren't born by two years, three years. You go through that for another cycle or so with a coaching change and whatnot. It's just like, then what's my Jake, answer? They're, they're Jake, I armed, promise you. Navy. Okay, I, I, I <laughs> promise you. Okay, I've been here. Uh, I don't even want to say how many years because it makes me really sound old. But I promise <laughs> you, Miami can be Miami again. Trust me on that. It, Miami can let, – let me – here, I'm going to give you a story before I let you go. So Alabama yeah, – yeah. okay, Alabama comes to town for the national title game, and they're they, – you know where they practiced, right? At Miami. Yeah, they practice they, at, uh, they practice yeah, in our, on our field and our facilities, whatever. And obviously they, you know, they, they're looking around the campus and all that. Um, a lot of people – I know that know people at Alabama and stuff – those guys are calling like, what the hell? Like, you know, people that they know are connected to Miami or, or whatever. Like, man, this place is unbelievable. Like, like Pete, when people come in and see what, what they got to work with, with the campus and the weather and, and the beaches and, you know, the, you know, and, and everything that's in South Florida and all that, like, like they're like, and these are the people, they're, these are the most successful people in the business. They're like, like, how is this place not like, like in the top five every year? Like, how are they not dominating recruits? Like, trust me, Miami can be Miami again. Okay, it can. Um, I don't know if if Manny's going to be able to do it or not. We're going to find out in the next two years. 
Um, <laughs> but but I, I hope but, well, I guess but, you, you but, might have just talked me off the ledge. But but I, but, I just, but but, I, but, I but I'm know. telling you right. I'm telling like you a, right right now. Okay, that if Manny can't do it, don't let Blake James screw this up again. Okay, like you get the right coach the, who, the can, who can hire the if, right. If Manny goes. You get the right coach that can Here's hire the right staff and get the right recruiters in here and pull it all together and and rally the community and everything else. Trust me, Miami can be Miami again. I, all right, I, I'm with it. But here's why I root for Manny is because what in our you know I, okay Schnellenberger and Jimmy Johnson fine. Denny Erickson took over uh, from from what uh, Jimmy Johnson handed it to him. He, he just had a, a monster uh, class that he that he took over. But like, there, there's just to me, I, I don't know. Look at what Alabama is spending on coaches. On it doesn't, they, it doesn't, they have three it, NFL coaches on their on their staff. Yeah, I, like, I, I, yeah, I understand. Break out that. That's Probably right. not, but 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 you don't have to have Bill O'Brien <laughs> have good offense. Trust me, Rhett Lashley no. will will have offensive numbers every bit as good as Bill O'Brien's this year. So anyway, Jake, I gotta let you go, but but yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, just, yeah, but just but just you, you know trust me time, on man. this. Great. Yeah, man, trust me on this. <laughs> Miami could be Miami again. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Jake. Love the show, man. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate you being part of it. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Oh, I recognize this number up next. It's Brucey W., a guy that I know agrees with me that Miami could be Miami again. Tell him, Bruce. What's up, my friend? How you been? Doing good, man. I'm fired up tonight. I, I mean, oh, it I, like I, it. I, I was in my car listening to it. I had to roll the windows down. It was too damn loud. Jeez. Oh, my God. I'm like, because I'm so you're, passionate. Because your, your volume is louder than the callers. You know that. Oh, no, I didn't realize. I'm going to talk quiet. I'm going to talk yeah. a little lighter. Okay. I, hey, Bruce. I, I feel this. I, I feel this passionately. Okay, Miami can be, Miami can be Miami. It absolutely can. They just gotta can let they, it be Miami. Can they be, can they be Miami? Forget Manny for a second. Can they be Miami with Blake James? Can you answer that question? You, Gary, you're on the spot. I would have said yes until he told. Like, listen, I like Manny. You know, I I think making making Manny try to do this job at the level that it has to be done to compete with Alabama and Clemson is one of the biggest jokes I've seen in a long time. It's not fair, and and that's right. why you 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 you've seen how he struggled year one and year two. He's doing the best he can. I tell him, you know, people get mad at me. Go, Gary, stop saying don't blame Manny. How can you blame Manny? They, they, why would the guy not want this job? And he's doing the best he can. He's trying so freaking hard. He's improved his coaching staff. You know, I mean, ideally, obviously, the coaching staff would have already been at this level from day one. I mean, let's be honest, but but like he, he's making it better every year. He's trying like like hell, but but like it's it, it's it's a hard job. It's one of the toughest jobs in college football, and you can't just put anybody into this and say, "Hey, go be Alabama and Clemson." And um, right. you know, well, let me ask we'll you see. this one because I'm ahead. asking you questions today. You're the answer man. So is All he right. a failure at his own specialty, the defense? I mean, where? All these no. years he's been here, and look where the defense is now. Where the players? No, oh, he's not a failure in no. his own specialty. No, he's who, not. And who, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. You got, Bruce, Bruce, you got, you got you got a racing form, okay? You got a 20 year racing form on Manny Diaz coaching defense, okay? 
You tell me where Manny Diaz has coached defense better than what he's done at Miami. No place. I'll answer the question for you. I'm Not talking about the players. Where's the, no, where no, the players? I am, well, I, well, that's, that's going to be you my next point. You talking about recruiting. That's what I'm talking about. No, no, that's going to be my next all point. These years, and wait a minute. The hell wait, are wait, the wait, players? wait. No, that's my next point. But let me finish this point first. Okay, oh. he wasn't more successful than this at Mississippi State, um, Louisiana Tech, Texas. He got run out of town. Um, Every he has been Manny Diaz as a defensive coach has been more successful since he came to Miami than at any point in his career. Okay, that's number one. Recruiting. Go back. You got another again a twenty year track record. Where are the recruiting? I only care about the last four years, just like the rest of the people listening to this show. <laughs> and yes, he's lost a lot of defensive ends that have gone to the draft. He lost a couple of D tackles, Macintosh, some of these guys that left early. That didn't help him at all. But the guys on the roster now, they're like 10, 11 deep on the D-line. I don't even think Nest is that good. He's okay, but he's not a dominant player. You've got a game plan for him. I don't think there's any player on your defense. You don't okay, where is the recruiting defense. pedigree? Where, 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 where is, the, is the recruiting pedigree of, of – of, well, you know, I'll, I'll answer that because I'm telling you – because you know this because, look, you, I talk to Bluestein all the time. I've told you this in our own private messages. He's told me for 10 years, and I think a lot of people are going to listen to this, they have a really bad job of identifying kids early in the process. And for years they're trying to catch up to other schools. That's got to stop. Now, he wants – to actually work at Miami, but he's never going to call Manny Diaz. He'll, he'd rather have Manny reach out to him. He's more than happy to do it. He knows these kids when they come out of their mothers. He knows these kids in kindergarten, for God's sakes. Why isn't he involved in something like this? Now, the fact that he's not, whatever, but they have a real problem identifying kids early in the process. Maybe that'll change now. I hope so, but I just don't see a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball at all. But the point, the point is this, before, Bruce. You were talking everything about the same thing. It's true. But, That's for but this is the deal. This is the deal. If you're going to go out and you're going to compete for the best players in the country, you've got to go against Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. You know, you're going against schools that have big-time coaching staffs, big-time budgets. They, you know, they don't have weaknesses, and, and you have to really be on top of your – your stuff if you're going to compete with those guys for the top players in the country. Well, if you're not going to get the top players in the country, you're going to have a hard time turning the corner and getting to be an 11, 12 win program that can compete for the ACC title and compete I'm for national sure titles. Our defense has ever had the best players in the country. I don't think Russell Maryland was so good in high school. Neither was Cortez. Neither were a lot of these guys. They made themselves into good players because they just refused. Yeah, but, to be but, but Bruce, they were great evaluations. Yeah, but they were great evaluations. It's not just about how many stars you got and stuff. It's evaluating I know, I know talent. That, but and that's the I mean, coaching I mean, like Reggie Wayne and Reed. Now. Like you could go on and on. Uh, all these guys. What phenomenal talent evaluation was taking place in this program when Jimmy Johnson was here, when Butch Davis was here. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. like, like out, out of this world evaluation was going on, and that's why Miami became Miami. And even when you had a head coach that couldn't sustain it, you were able to win, like in the Erickson case, two national titles because there was so much talent stockpiled to allow a good football coach, which Dennis Erickson was, to win a couple championships before his lack of ability to identify and recruit caught up, and then the program dropped off a little bit. Butch comes in, 
as good as anybody that we've ever seen at evaluating talent and recruiting. By the time he's done with, with year four and five, you're, you're right up there. You're the top program in America. So it can happen again. You give me that level of recruiter, that level of talent evaluation from the coaching staff, um, that type of work ethic to go out and get it done, Miami could be Miami again. All right, that's great, except for is anybody on this, on this staff capable of doing that and bringing in these guys? They knew about some of these guys for years, and I now they're not going to get they're not going to get – a lot of these kids are not going to get Yeah, I mean, and I if, think and if, they don't win, if they don't win 10 games this year, Gary – Good luck trying to recruit outside the state of Florida with a you know yeah. the four or five lost team. They're really going to be screwed. That's why yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't disagree, Bruce. I don't. They got to bring in some transfers. And then you talked about the kid from UCLA. They knew about him months ago. Why wasn't he here in January? Why is it, we're in April and they still haven't? I don't know what's going on with him. But they need a linebacker that could hit people. I, I don't understand what I understand what you know what he's trying to do, and he's got to worry about how many ships he's got coming in next year. But they need help now. This is a big year for him. They can't lose four games, you know, by a field goal and, and just say, oh, you know, we were close. This is a big year. If they don't win ten games, I don't know how they're going to recruit nationally. You know, I just don't. You know, they yep, get blown out by Alabama. UNC blows them out, and they lose two or three other games. He's in real trouble. I don't. You I mean they say he's going to come back for another year? I don't know why. Yeah, he will. I mean, yeah, they're they're not going to not give him at least four. But like, I I think you know, the the to me, the danger is is being stuck in that middle for forever. Like, you know, eight eight wins, nine wins. Um, you know, you'd be, you could be stuck there forever. Like, you know, so we'll see. We don't want to be pessimistic here. You got a new season coming up in September. Um, you know, I think the offense is going to be really, really good. And uh, defense really, might have some really problems, good, but really good, really good. They're going to be very good, unless something really bad happens. But they're going to be yeah. really good. And I think maybe if they're they're on the field and they score points, the defense will feel a little better, and they may give up twenty, twenty-five points a game. But if they still win by two touchdowns, what's the big deal? They really only have Alabama, and I don't know if they can compete. And, and UNC, the rest of the games, they should win. They really should. There's no excuse to lose to those other teams. There's no excuse to actually be in close games, except, you know, the defense might not be that good. But I'm hoping that, you know, they can figure this out and uh, come up with, you know, a pass rush this year. But they need the defensive tackles to make to make stops. They're, those guys are they're just non-existent. They're just not there. That's the key yeah, to all the defenses. The two guys I mean, Nepsa is a little bit better than what we saw out there on Saturday. But, like, right. I don't – Nesta's not changing a game. So. I like Hunt, but I don't. I wish he was healthy. If he's going to continue to be on and off and healthy and not healthy, because he's got a good pass rush, he gets in the backfield. They need disruptors. That's why I said to you a few months ago, Holly might be somebody because he gets in the backfield. But I don't know where he is on the depth chart. You know, I don't know what he's doing. But he's a, he's a guy that can get into the backfield and create problems like we used to. The guys used to get in the backfield, and you know, was, the linebackers just cleaning up. I don't know that's going to happen this year because you're not going to double team our tackles. That's for sure. Well, uh, on a little recruiting note, we just uh, got a little scoop that went up on the website at canesport.com. Um, Nigella Kelly, he's a defensive end from Fort Lauderdale Dillard. He had been committed to Florida State. He's now decommitted from Florida State, and we think there's a great chance he ends up committing to Miami at some point here. Um, so we'll see what happens there. 
Uh, yeah, we think that was gonna... speculated a month or so ago. That's that's really yeah. not so far fetched. That was pretty much we knew that kind of. Yeah. That. Well, that's yeah. Good. Now he's he, he's now decommitted from Florida State, so the, it looks like it's in motion there. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so what else you got for us, Bruce? Anything else? No, I just talked to a lot of the former players, and we were, we were hoping that they could have this come down for the spring game, but they were told no. So, you know, we were going to go to our favorite Italian restaurant, which you know what it is. We could still mention it, right, or no? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Sicilian oven. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're doing good. Everybody's good. Uh, family's good. And that's all that matters right now is good health, and I hope your family's healthy and everybody else out there stay healthy. I lost a few cousins to this damn disease. It's it's not fun. Oh, it's horrible. No, it's, it's not. I just hope everybody's going to be healthy. What's the story for the season? They're going to have tickets for every everybody, or are going to limit us again? Or you don't know? I, I think that's the plan right now. They they put individual games on sale, so it sounds like they're intending to go full speed ahead. So we'll see. Good. All right. Well, I'll all right, Bruce. Next time you're on, I'll, I'll call you, buddy. But uh, you got it, man. Be well. Stay safe. Yep. Bye. Go Canes. Talk to you later. Talking to you. Yep. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, let's see where we are here. Let's go to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? That's you. Who's this? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah that's you. Who's this? Steve. What's up, Steve? You got it. You got it. Is this Steve? Not hey. Steve from Atlanta. Steve from Atlanta? Yeah, this is Steve from Atlanta. Again. My man, Steve. How you been, buddy? I'm good. You doing all right? I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh... hey, yeah. Talk to us, man. Talk to us. What you got? I ain't got much. I ain't got much. Just, just a little concern about your comments about the defense. Are you are you concerned because you think they're wrong or because of what I'm saying? Um, it's it's all of the above. They should be wrong. You might not be wrong. You get what I'm saying? I hope so I'm they, wrong. Well, I'd I, love to be wrong. Well, I, I hope you're wrong too, but you're probably right. But the reasons you are right are not because the reason you're saying you're right. Do you follow me? Not really, but go ahead. You got the floor. Well, let's let. Well, Manny Diaz has been at Miami for how long? Well, three with Mark Richt, and now he's his third as a head coach. So this is his sixth year. So how long has he been in charge of defense? Pretty much the whole time, right? Of course, six years. Yeah. So if he's the guy to be running this defense, he should have had it stocked up by now. It's not but like that, he's but, in Lashley's no, – hold on, let me finish. It's not like he's in Lashley's shoes when Lashley's playing with other guys, receivers, and other guys, talent as a coordinator, and he's trying to, you know, wait till his guys get in. You only get these guys for three years, period, point blank, three or four years. You ain't going to never have the same guys. You got to develop what you got quickly. I know, but look what Lashley did, Steve. Look what he did. He got the job at Miami, and he immediately went out, and he recruited a difference-making quarterback. If they don't have the Eric King last year, they don't win eight games. They probably win five games. Yes, I believe they win eight games with Nikosha. I saw what Nikosha did against Nikosha. No way. Nikosha almost – hold on, hold on, hold on, because I, I, for some reason, I don't know what, what a lot of these guys' defense with 
the culture, but the culture had a good record. At any time, he never really got the trust of the of the coaches for whatever reason. I thought it was from that little incident he had with the kicker girlfriend, but hey, who's to say why they why it seems like they run about the program? But that kid never really was given trust or the keys or any any confidence to to really go out there and and be what he could be. We'll never know what he could have amounted to because they never really put any full trust in him, and it seemed like they never wanted to let him see the field. But Nicosia is gone now. So I, I, I don't believe they went eight back. games with Nicosia. I don't I don't believe that would have happened. Well, I, I mean, Nicosia well, couldn't beat out Jar- Jar- Nicosia couldn't beat out Jaron Williams, who can't win the job at South Florida. And Nicosia's well, probably going to end up at FIU, I believe, Steve. I don't care where he ends up at. I believe he probably could have, if they would have let him play, I believe he was better than Jared Williams from what I've seen on the field out of him. And from the balls he threw coming back from 21 down against Oklahoma State, the kid wasn't that bad. He almost he brought us back against Florida State. He brought us back against from 20-something down against Virginia Tech on the road, and Manny defense blew it. Don't forget some of the great things the kid did coming in in terrible circumstances. But Nicosia is gone now. Let's not bash a kid who gave us all, had a hurricane tattoo on him, and for whatever reasons, he's not with the program. But for the most part, why he was there, you know, other than that one incident, and he never went to jail, he never was charged with anything. So let, let, let's, let's not tarnish the kid's reputation. But let's get back to what Lastly is doing since you brought up Lastly. Lastly is able to recruit, right? He get he got his quarterback. You you say that right? He brought in De'Aaron King. Okay, De'Aaron King still got his head kicked in like the rest of our quarterbacks did by Clemson. De'Aaron King still was the quarterback against UNC when he got his mm-hmm. head kicked in by them. So it really wasn't no big. I don't see nothing different that the rest of the quarterbacks did. That's my opinion. So let's mm-hmm. move back to Manny. Um, Manny is not recruiting. He's not. He's been here six years, and you still got the same excuse for that defense. We don't have the talent. That is a coach not being able to get players into his system problem. And if we hey, can you imagine Steve problem, Can you imagine what it would be like without the, all the transfers the last couple of years? Well that's Manny problem because Manny that's a Manny problem. He ain't good enough to get kids to come play for him. I don't care what I don't care where they get kids from. He needs to be able to get what we need to win. And if he can't do it, we got a problem. Well, that's the, that's, right? the, that's the thing, and that's why it was very unfair to him, in my opinion, that, they, that he was put in this job because he's never been that kind of recruiter at any point in his coaching career. So why suddenly would he become a head coach and be that type of recruiter? It's, you know, it, it, it just was not a likely thing to happen. Gary, if you understand that. He's not a great recruiter. He's not developing. So why in the world are we still defending him, running this program, and being able to run the offense, the whole team, and the defense? I don't know that anybody's defending him. I think everyone's just praying and hoping that it comes together for him here in year three. Because year one was a total disaster, and year two really was only marginally better, and it was only because of the level of competition, because the three of of the four decent teams we played, we lost three of the four games. So, you know, I think everyone's just hoping that this year will be better, Steve. I don't think anyone's defending anything. Look, look, look. I hope. 
this year will be better too. I'm always hoping that we win the title. I don't, in spite of Manny, I hope. Yeah, what I wish, what I wish would happen, we would the people who cover this program would be, you know, get more um, truthful with the people in charge. It seems like when I watch. Uh, listen to anything. It's like everybody is stepping on hands and needles, and they're scared to ask the tough questions. Not Manny us. Comes out there. Not us. Okay. Don't don't Manny, include us Manny in that. We have out. we have stu- we stuck our neck out from the minute that this whole thing happened, and we said, "Whoa!" Like you know, we kn- like we're not like we we know like we knew that this was going to be tough. I, look, look, I got some questions you could ask him when you see him. Mm-hmm. Ask him, uh, is, is, do he, what is he doing to try to beat Alabama or not to get blown out and get embarrassed again? What is his plans this summer to, to, to do that? Ask him why is Avery Huff still 211 pounds in his third year coming out of St. Thomas Aquarium weighing 200 pounds? Ask him that. Do he go in the weight room and pay attention? To what's going on? Is he looking at you know what? What are they doing? Do he knows what a, a, a um, team's supposed to look like? That's the easiest thing to do. Pass the eyeball test, you know. Yeah. You just look intimidating. That's a start. You don't have to be a, a, a rocket science of a coach. You don't have to know all the X's and O's to get the team to look like they 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 can kick somebody butt. That that you know that's the easiest part. Can we, and you got so much time in the off season to do that. You know what? Why why do we want to play with these tiny? Why is every time we get a big linebacker, we moving them to defensive end? Can you ask him that? Is that his philosophy? Like the kid out of Bad Austin, did they move him to DN? Are they gonna let him play middle linebacker? Um, who are you talking about? The kid who we got from Vat Austin. Oh, uh, Thomas Davis. Um, I, 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 last I heard, they were going to have him play defensive end. I, but I, you know, I don't That's know. I don't, you know, he's not here yet, so Honestly, I don't know. It's a, it's a copycat league. Don't we hear that all the time? Alabama not playing football with damn peeny bopper linebackers. Those guys look like monsters. That's why we can't stop the run. We keep trying to. If these guys can run. Why do we keep moving these guys to DN? We should be moving some of them defensive ends who can run and got some size back to linebackers. Well, unless we got linebackers who can play already. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously there there continue to be a lot of issues, and you know, I think right now you just got to hope that they can pull. A, a, you know, it's not hopeless on defense. I think you know when you got to get everybody back, and you got to hope a few guys up in the front seven step up, and that they could just be be you know representative on defense, so that and and let the offense be great, which I think it will be, and they should be able to win nine games this year. Well, you guys. You guys got to be honest, man. You guys got to be tougher with, with, with Steve, Manny. Steve, we are out. we are as tough as it gets, man. We're almost too tough. Well, let me tell you something, because there's a lot I of people. Know, know. Oh yeah, 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 Steve. Well, there's I, a lot of your contemporaries out there that want us to be pumpers all the time, and like, 
you know, I could, there's a few of them on our message board that, that if, if, if you're not pumping it 100% of the time, they get annoyed. And it, it's like we, we, you know, we, we try to find the balance, but, like, we're not going to – we don't blow smoke up people's butts. Like, we tell it like it is. And, um, you know, there's nothing we want more than to tell you guys every day this team's about to be Alabama. Like, that's what we want. No, 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 no. We know you don't have to lie to us saying they're going to beat Alabama, but we know people who watch this team and been following, like I told you a hundred times, I've been following this team since 83, since they jumped on the radar, because I stayed in the same cross from Carver, Carver Junior High, went to Carver in seventh grade, and I stayed in the same um, complexes with um, Rodney Bellinger, and mm-hmm. Reggie Sutton was married to my cousin, and I graduated, I was classmates and played with South saw um, Robert Belly at South Ridge till I quit my um, junior year. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot of the boys who went there. I went to middle school with Randall Hill out the um, Richmond Junior High. And Willis, I know a lot of them guys. And, you know, they wasn't, I didn't see them guys as superstars, but the coaches there developed them. Robert Belly wasn't the biggest guy coming out of high school. We sat right next to each other in 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 in, in um in, in in grammar class, Mr. Hallberg at South Ridge. He wasn't that big. These coaches yeah. are failing the program, and that's the bottom line. The strength coach, these guys gonna get thrown around because it don't look like they're doing enough squats, power cleans. They they just don't look the part. And that's the easiest thing to do. You start by looking the part, then you go from there. Yeah. And, and all, we can't, all these kids who this guy's recruiting can't all be terrible. Well, they're not terrible. They're, they're good players. It's just if you're talking about getting to the next level and not just being, you know, winning seven, eight, occasionally nine games a year – you got to have difference makers. You got to have guys that change games. You got to have guys that are that make the difference. difference you know, you got to be able to beat. Uh, you got to be able to beat North Carolina. You got to be able to compete with Clemson yeah. every now and then. Like it, you just got to be better than what we've been. That's all, Steve. And that takes yeah, difference Florida making State. players. Yeah, Florida State beat North Carolina last year. And I we understand. Let North Carolina, hold on, we let North Carolina come in. This is this is what I say about coaching. Where is his pride? Where's his, where's his self-respect? You let Matt it, Brown. It, Matt it, Brown was the first coach to fire you. Matt Brown told him to get out. You suck. Your running game suck. Didn't even let him back on the bus. Then you let this guy beat you. He got the job at North Carolina at the same time Manny got the job at Miami. Matt Brown done beat him twice. But the one that is worse, he let him stop him from playing in a bowl game on his home field. How is this? How can we just? How can we blame this on players when the coach don't have any heart? Steve, I understand, understand, man. All you can do is just move on to the next season. (laughs) I mean, seriously. That's all you can do. Move on to the next season. We already know that this is not a perfect storm here. We know that. My point to you, you, Gary, and I'm going to stop, because I just want you to stop with we don't have the talent first thing out of your mouth. Start with we don't. Well, we don't. We don't have Ain't no way Packy should be – we ain't going to get him because we don't have the leadership 
to consistently bring in top talent. The kids we get, God bless them, they come to Miami because of their parents or for whatever ties or they just in love with the city. But if these kids got any sense, they're not coming there to get developed, if that's what you're telling me. Well, I don't know if that's fair. I mean, some of them get developed, but I but I get your point, Steve. I'm not, you know, we're not we, we don't need we don't need to debate that it's not good enough. It hasn't been good enough. Has not been good enough for a very long time. I, like well, I said earlier, Miami can be Miami again. Miami can be Miami. Just got to get it right. You know, Gary. My problem was really gets me is if we're not gonna start when we have our conversations about this thing and start at the top and then work our way down to the bottom, that's what ticks me off. Because the my, top my, is the, the real, real main issue. I, un- I understand. But, 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 but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, that's not changing anytime real soon. So you got to hope, fine, hope but, but, you, you just got to hope it keeps progressively getting better. It ain't going to get better because the, if the coach don't get better, quick, quick it's not going to get better if Manny don't get better, Packy don't get better, because if they don't but, show that they can coach these kids up that they got, how are they going to convince other kids who's trying to get to the league in three years? Steve, to, but to Steve, it, it, in the last, what, 15 months, he's turned over seven of the ten staff positions on the team. So he's trying. He's trying to get it right. We'll see what happens. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much for being part of the show, and uh, we'll talk hey, to you uh, d- d- down the road here. Alabama turnover coaches every year too. I understand, but you but know, they get hired. But they get well, hired we'll see how these guys job. do. The offensive guys he brought in last year did a good job. Now we'll see how these defensive guys do this year. All right, Steve, oh, thanks for being part of the show, man. Appreciate you. One more, 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 it what is. did you see yeah, out of special teams um, over the um, whole spring? Because our special teams wasn't that great. It don't seem like we even – last year, it don't seem like we tried to run. We don't set no wedges. Well, now, I agree. Are, I agree the return teams underachieve. The the, the, the coverage teams, it, it doesn't matter because you got a punter that kicks it out of the stadium, and you had a kicker that yeah. put almost every kickoff in the end zone. Um, the return teams yeah. have, have underachieved. I think a big reason for that is is our our uh, lack of talent at DB and tight end and linebacker, and I think that's getting a little better right now. I think some of these young freshmen this year, um, when you look at the Keyshawn Washingtons of the world, the James Williamses, um, are a couple guys that come to my mind. Cam Kinchins, you got a lot of young talent that's coming into the program right now that's going to be focused primarily on special teams. And I think you can hope that this year the special teams are a little better. All right, Steve, now I really got to let you go so other people can get on, man. We'll we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for being part of the show, man. Appreciate it. All right, 563-999-3550, Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, Let's go now to the 706. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? What's up, Gary? It's your boy, Sebastian, man. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. God, I wish I had better news for everybody all the time. But, you know, like, how can you argue? Like, you can't argue with it. Like, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, little ne- it's a little negative. You want to be positive. New season coming up. But 
I mean, listen, it, it is what it is. I mean, it, it, there's there's still areas that are challenged. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely sense that, but I but I'm I'm interested to see how this off season going to go. I, I think we're probably one or two impact transfers on the defense side of the ball that would get give me some really, really optimism that we're going to be okay on the, I think on the offensive side of the ball, the the problems that we had in relation to running the ball is still a concern, but as far as quarterback and receivers and the O-line, I feel a little bit encouraged um, in those particular areas. I think you probably said something along the line during the show, but I kind of feel like in those areas, we're going to be a little bit better. Even And even tight end, I think tight end was that we have some talent there, but on the defensive side of the ball, I think we're a linebacker and a defensive end, impact players away from being a real, real top 15 team. But, you know, you know, I will tell you my outlook for this season is if we can get through the season with eight wins, possibly nine, and win a bowl game, I'll be pleased. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I really would. I would be pleased. And as I look at last year, well, you take two games, you know, we don't look horrible against North Carolina. We won the bowl game. We could almost say that was a successful season. So we may strive in the right direction. So, but actually, that's what my two big concerns are. Um, impact players on the defense side of the ball. What are your thoughts? I don't think there are any. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, Tyreek's got a chance. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Tyreek coming in, but he's just coming in as a transfer. But he's got a chance to be an impact guy, I think. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I don't think we have impact players. I don't I don't think any of the three safeties are what I would call impact players. They're, they're okay players. They're going to have good plays. They're going to have bad plays. I'm watching Gervin Hall, who's now, what, year four? I mean, he was late getting to a deep ball the other day in the spring game. I mean, you just shake your head like, Jesus, you know, like, what the hell? Like, you know, I mean, allows a 50-yard pass. I mean, like, I just, I don't, I don't see the surefire play after play, down after down guys that can turn a game. Uh, so how do we win? You're going to have to be bend but don't break. You know, you're going to have to try to force mistakes. Manny, I'm sure, is going to take chances. He's going to blitz a lot. He's going to try to disrupt plays, create turnovers, um, and try to do enough of that enough times in the game to allow the offense to be dominant. And we're going to have to win some games like, you know, 40 to 35 or something. Like, you know, that it's that's just going to be a fact of life, I think. I, I mean, but, you know, I can live with that. But, you know, the summer can get interesting. You never know which players will, you know, decide to transfer or, you know, spring ball is going to conclude, and some players, you know, may not want to hit the pine and see an opportunity to kind of come. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a one-year rental or a two-year rental, and, you know, lightning may strike in the bottle. So and so I, I, we just see how this offseason plays out. But I don't think if we don't, if we don't get any additions on the defensive side of the ball, then I think great coaching is going to have to overcompensate you know, where we lack over in the talent area. So mm-hmm. that that's what I see. You know, the, you were talking earlier that a lot of the top talent in South Florida is, is not looking at coming to Miami. You know, I'm a little disappointed in that, but I feel like if we have a successful season, maybe you could keep one or two of those kids at home. And that would be success for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we could do that. 
But what, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Gary, if I could switch sports or whatnot, what happened to the basketball program this season? Uh, oh, I mean, man, they had, they had so many injuries. I mean, everything just fell apart well, on them. Well, um, well, pause for a second. Pause for a second. I mean, was, was there a fight on the team or whatnot? Because it seemed like everybody no. just left town. I mean, just, they, it, I, it I, was I, just – it was guys not handling adversity really well, a lot of injuries, you know, which I, th- I think some trust broke down because of that with the training staff and things like that. And, you know, when a guy sprains his ankle, your best player sprains his ankle and misses the entire season, I mean, something's wrong. And, you know, I, I just it, – it, I think everything just went wrong, and they didn't have the depth to deal with it because of what had happened with the FBI the previous few years. So – they're doing a good job right now. I think they're getting some decent players in the transfer portal. And I think they'll be a representative team next year and see where it goes from there. But, uh, you know, yeah, th- this year was really, really rough, no doubt about it. Because um, I'm worried about the two kids that are testing the NBA market or whatnot. I don't, I don't think they're going they're to They're not going to the NBA. They can't go. They, no, they're just, they're just you know. playing – they're playing games with themselves, to be honest with you. They're, they, they, they don't. There's not okay. going to be any any NBA interest in those two kids. I, um, I'll be shocked if they're not back next year. Okay. Hey, Jared, I got this last question for you, and then you could just kind of put me on hold. Yeah. I mean, the state of the program right now. I mean, we've seen some encouraging signs as far as quarterback, receiver. So I can definitely see how we've attacked and tried to get better at places where we were really, really deficient. But as we go into this off season right now, I'm going to be at the Alabama game. I'm not, I, I don't expect us to win or whatnot. But as I look through the season, as you look through the off season, as from here to when we play our first game, what are maybe just one or two things we can do to just be a better football team going into the fall? And you can just put me on hold. There's one, two or three things that we can do. That would make us a better football team going into the fall. I can give you, I can give you two things, and then I want to hear your thoughts on it. But you know, well, I'm going to give you. On, I think we'll, go ahead, good. Give me your two first. I was say, my, my my two things is we don't need no fudgery. We don't need no kids getting into like you know off field stuff or you know things that you know suspended or arrests or anything like that. That's number one. And then my second thing is I really think all of our nicked up players got to get healthy. And uh those those are just my two things. I'm interested in what you what you're gonna say. Right, and and, and I think they will. I think they will. The, you know, the the first thing I would say, let, let me give you one on each side of the ball. Offensively, I would say that the O line has gotta get better at run blocking. They gotta get better at run blocking. They gotta get more consistent. We've got the running backs to get it done. I thought they were woefully inconsistent last year. We had so many third and short plays blow up because of poor blocking. And um I, I think that the O line has got to get better in run blocking. So that that that's what I'll say on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, I think we, you gotta have one or two of these defensive linemen gotta step up. Got to got to got to find somehow some way to get better in the next three months. Um, they live in the weight room, get stronger, get more athletic, and come back for fall camp in August a better player than you left spring practice. Because right now, to me, it's not good enough. So those are the two things I would throw out. 
Hey, Gary. All right, hey, hey, Gary. Yep. I, I, I definitely appreciate it. You talk about run blocking. I don't know about run blocking in fall camp. We have to run the ball in fall camp. We have to have a, you have to have an attitude to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And I, I just haven't seen that in the last couple of years. I think we have tackles that can help us out in the passing game, but we need to develop an attitude of running the ball. Because I will tell you this right now, two games is going to be won this year, whether or not you can run the ball on third and two. Yep, I agree. I think in the spring they were protecting the running backs because they're short on numbers. I think so too, yeah. Yeah. All right, keep it home, man. But, Good show, man. But that'll be, that'll be fixed for the fall, and hopefully they'll they'll be able to run the ball more and get better at it. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. They 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 really struggled on third and short last year, so hopefully it'll be better this year. All right, Sebastian, thanks for being part of the show, man. Appreciate it. All right, five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the nine zero four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? How you doing, Gary? What's going on, man? That's one from Jefferson. How you doing? Hey, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. I'm listening to the show. You know, I know it ain't uh, a lot going on other than the spring game, but it's just. Uh, I think I think I'm a little more optimistic about the defense uh, than you are. Um, but there's one thing that I need to that, that, that needs to happen before any of this can anything can be righted and we can be a good team and you know you know the corner can be turned. Okay, I watched. Uh, I've been you know going through reports on different websites, people that follow the team for the whole spring. And the narrative is our best four receivers are Rambo, Sean Smith, Restrep- uh, Mike Harley, and Restrepo. Okay, those are our best four receivers. Now, when we, the season comes and we roll out there against Alabama and, and whoever is after that, if I see a whole bunch of Mark Pope, then I'll know exactly what the real problem is. If I see a lot of that, knowing that I watch Keyshawn Smith and Restrepo and Rambo do things that our receivers, I haven't seen them do since Amon Richards. I watch them do these little things that a receiver does. Wiggins and Pope aren't natural receivers. They may be athletes, but they're not natural receivers. So if I see them playing, a lot, and the other guys that are better than them on the bench, I'll know again what our problem is. On to the defense. Okay, you got uh, uh, uh who do I got? Ivy, and you got Carter, and you got McLeod, and you got Jennings. Okay, now we saw how much they played last year. They didn't do a very good job. Our defense, we have better defensive players, and this is one of this is my issue with Manny. We have better defensive players than those guys in those positions. For some reason, those guys continue to get snapped just like Pope and Wiggins on the offensive side. Until mm-hmm. Manny starts playing the best players, regardless of if uh, we got somebody in the program affiliated with them or if they're older, until he starts playing the best players, we're never going to turn the corner. We're not going to mm-hmm. turn the corner. We just can't do it. it, it it's kind of evident, well, and I, I don't want to see it. I, I, I think I, I think this year 
that he's going to have some tough decisions to make in that regard. You know, I, I think that I, I look in particular at safety. I mean, they they did a great recruiting job at safety in the last year. So you got Avante Williams sitting there who looks very good to me. I'm expecting James Williams to be you know pretty good. Yeah. I like what I see of Cam Kinchins. So that's three mm-hmm. freshmen right there who are all looking pretty good to me. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the spring game, but Keyshawn Washington also jumped off the jumped jumped off the field. So that's four now, four freshman safeties, and it's kind of over-recruiting at that position, to be honest with you. But that's four freshman safeties that, to me, look like they can challenge Gervin Hall and Bubba Bolden. Okay. So the question is, are those guys who you feel like can challenge and are athletically as good or better than the guys you're talking about, are they going to play? Are they going to get snapped? Because it, 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 it's, it's a it's a two layer it's a two layer thing. What happens is if you play those younger players, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to take their lumps. They're going to they're going to make mistakes. But what'll happen is next year when they made their bumps and bruises, they'll be better than they were if you played the older guys. And then next year was their first year playing. So you, yeah, but the, you, you the problem to... is this. They can't coach like that because they got to win now or else they're not going to be there to coach you, those guys in the future. And and if those guys are making mistakes in practice and they don't know what they're doing, they're not going to feel comfortable having them out there. I, you, you, and you're, you're right about that. You're right. They have to do that. But here's the issue. Why would you have a guy out there who knows where to go, who knows the plays, who can who can diagnose everything he needs to diagnose, but when he has to make the play, he can't make it anyway. He can't make the play regardless. Like point 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 well taken. Point well taken. I just thought, I just, but I don't think that's the case with these guys. Like I don't think Gervin Hall is physically incapable of making plays. He he just screws up enough of them that it becomes a little bit of a problem at times. But like you know. But if you can see a younger guy who pops off the screen, like I honestly believe we shouldn't play a whole bunch of linebackers. We should play like our smaller guys like Smith and uh, Frierson and Cave is pretty – I'm not, not Cave, but Flag is pretty good. But what I'm saying to you is if we see a lot of the older guys who really aren't as good as – like we're talking about earlier about the talent in the program. I believe the talent is in the program. I believe they're just younger. I believe that the younger players are probably better than these older players. I just want to see Manny play those guys. But the receivers, I want you to watch. Now, okay, do you agree that the four guys I named are better than Pope and Wiggins? Do you agree? I, I think the problem with Pope and Wiggins <laughs> is, is their bad plays. I think they're capable of making good plays. I, I, I do. I just think that the problem is you don't get the consistency. And until somebody proves that they're going to be more consistent and go out there and make better plays, I don't think the coaches are going to give up on them. Okay, so is Keyshawn, is Mark Pope and Wiggins better, a better receiver than Keyshawn Smith here? I'm, I'm, I would just, like just, to see just, Keyshawn Smith get a chance to be better than them. I'm with you. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. I, I got to believe it's going to happen this year. I would like to see him get a chance to be better. I, that's all I want to see. I want to yep. see those players. I saw Keyshawn Smith make a move in the spring game and do little things that Pope and Wiggins would never do. 
I watched Restrepo make a catch in the in the corner of the end zone. I was like, dang, that's what a receiver's supposed to look like. That's what they're supposed to do. Well, I saw Rambo do stuff that you're supposed to do as a receiver. If there's a 50-50 ball, if there's any contact, if there's any kind of not wide open, what do you think is going to happen with those two guys we're talking about? Tell me what's going to happen. They're going to drop the ball. If there's mm-hmm. any kind of contact, they're going to drop it. And you know I'm right. Scientists, they dropped the ball even with, like, the, the ball to Wiggins. He caught it through him. He got a perfect ball thrown to him. What happened when he was going down? I described him, right? Yep. That's yep. a big play in a game. That's a big play in a football game. That's the difference between a touchdown and a punt. That's the difference between a touchdown and a punt. That, right there. And that's how you lose football games. But I'm not going to hold you up all night. I wanted, I just wanted to say that to you. So I wanted somebody to – I know I'm not crazy when I'm looking at this. I've been watching football for a long time, and I know when it looks like guys have it and guys don't have it. These guys that he keeps rolling out there, they don't have it. They never will have it. Play your best players, period. I'm good, Gary. Have a good night, man. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Okay. All right, guys. That's going to uh, do it for tonight. I uh, hope, hope uh, you guys enjoyed our spring recap, and I think we covered a lot of turf. Uh, so we go into off-season workouts now, and um, you've got the month of May, June, July for the team to work with David Feely, work on their own. They, they get some time with the coaches and try to get better and get ready for fall camp. Uh, obviously, a big thing in that time frame will be De'Ara King and his rehab, so we'll be all over that for you. Uh, and then um, May will be setting the stage for recruiting that's going to be just absolutely insane in the month of June. And we'll be covering that, you know, balls to the wall for you, no question, in the month of June. Um, July, we'll start setting the table for fall camp. Um, It'll be a recruiting dead period, so there won't be a lot of recruiting activity in that month. Um, The team will be really starting to get focused in and, uh, and getting ready for fall camp. I imagine the coaches will take a few weeks vacation in there somewhere. And then we'll get into August in fall camp. And then before we know it, we'll be going to Atlanta uh, for the Alabama game. So it's going to come quick. It's going to be exciting. I think this year is going to be very interesting uh, for all of us to follow. Um, The team is going to be good. The question is, is it going to be good enough? Um, Good enough to just not be eight and four, something like that again, and be stuck in the middle. And I think that's going to be tough without – a dominant defense. Um, but maybe the, the offense will be good enough that they can steal a couple games again this year that they normally might have lost. And um, maybe they somehow get to Charlotte and get to take a shot at Clemson. We'll see what happens. But anyway, I want, I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show tonight. And um, we probably will not have another Kane Sport Live until we get into August. Um, but you know, we'll do some uh, periodic uh, podcasts and things on the website, so keep your eyes open for that. And, of course, you've got the message boards every day, and uh, we'll be there for you to answer any questions and keep you updated on everything there as well. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Until next time, I'll say goodbye, everybody.